There are some mistakes that I see new songwriters making over and over and over again. Even if you're a more experienced songwriter, it can still be easy to fall into some of these traps. So we're gonna talk about seven different mistakes that I see new songwriters fall into really often, and we're gonna talk about the solution to all seven of them as well. We're gonna talk about it right now. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. I am pumped to be spending some time with you today, even though I'm sick getting over a certain virus that you may or may not have heard of. I'm still here talking about songwriting for you, with you. Don't worry. You can't catch it through YouTube. You can't catch it through a podcast if that's how you're listening. So don't worry. You're safe. We're good. But today we're talking about seven mistakes new songwriters make. And like I said in the intro, look, these are mistakes that even more seasoned songwriters can make and often do make. So this will be useful to you, whether you're a brand new songwriter or even if you've been songwriting for a while, just to sort of uh, make sure that you're not making these seven mistakes. We're also going to talk about the solution to each of these seven mistakes. Uh, Before we dive in, especially if you're a new songwriter or if you're somebody who just needs a little kick of inspiration, be sure to grab my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song. I give you five different ways to start writing a song from more of a lyrical perspective and then five different ways to start writing a song from more of a musical perspective. This can help you avoid the trap of things like the thing I make up fun of most often because it is kind of a lot of songwriters where they start all of their songs the exact same way. They grab a guitar, play with a G chord and a C chord and a D chord until they find a chord progression they like with the same five chords that they like. And then, you know, they improvise melody from there and soon all their songs sound the same and they're kind of meh. Avoid that. This guide will help you with that. So be sure to download that at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link will be in the description, especially if you are on YouTube. Let's jump into the seven mistakes. Number one, I'm pretty sure it was my first podcast ever. Might be second or third podcast. I'm fairly confident it was in the first five where I talked about lyrics don't need to rhyme. And look, the reason for this is almost every amateur song I've ever seen has just eye-roll-worthy rhymes. And they seem to feel the need to do something like an A-B-A-B rhyme scheme, right? Where every other line rhymes with, with, with it's, you know, the other one. You don't need to do that, okay? You just don't. First of all, you probably don't even know if your favorite song rhymes. You probably have to think about it. Right now, as I said that, you're probably having to think about it, which tells you just how important rhyming is, right? It's really not that important. It does help to make lyrics a little more memorable. Sometimes you can use it on purpose to make it feel like a lyric is predictable, right? It feels right because it fits so well. Sure, I'm not anti-rhyming. I never want you to think I'm anti-rhyming. But especially if you're a beginner, you don't need to rhyme as much as you think. I'm personally a big fan of sort of like a AXAX type rhyme scheme or XAXA, where X basically represents a line that doesn't rhyme, right? So, you know, two two lines out of four will try to rhyme and the other ones don't. I think that that's a nice balance to aim for. Generally speaking, aiming for more, uh, especially for the whole song, it gets kind of tiresome. Also, your rhymes don't need to be perfect, right? So even if you do decide to do ABAB or AAAB or something like that, 
You don't need to do perfect rhymes, right? That's how you get the eye roll worthy, like, oh, let me guess, you're going to rhyme night with light, right? That's original. I've never heard that before, right? You can use less perfect rhymes, words that don't quite rhyme perfectly. That way it sounds just a little bit less predictable. So look, the solution, don't force rhymes. Know that you don't have to rhyme. This is a big thing for me. Like, look, if you have to choose between a lyric that's really, really good and a lyric that rhymes, right? Like, do you want to say precisely what you want to say? Or do you want to say a rhyme, right? Where you're compromising what you wanted to say, but hey, at least it rhymes. Never choose that second option. Always make sure that you say exactly what you want to say. And hey, if you can rhyme, great. Go to something like rhymezone.com to f- to find rhymes. Because look, relying on your memory is how you're going to get rhymes like light and night and white. And, you know, just, just the, the most like eye roll worthy stuff. That's like, ah, oh, I've never heard that before. I don't know why I said white. That's not really a perfect rhyme, but, uh, well, actually, no, it is. Um, anyway, rhymezone.com, your friend. Moving on. Number two, song doesn't have a single key. This is inspired by the first full song I ever wrote. I was a freshman in high school when I really wrote what I consider to be my first real song, meaning, you know, I had a beginning, middle, end, you know, I had the whole verse, chorus, bridge, the whole bit, music for the whole thing, lyrics for the whole thing. I had done like full lyrics before, but didn't finish the music. I had like musical pieces before, but like didn't really have lyrics with it. But this is the first song that just start to finish was a full real song. And for two years, I couldn't figure out why it sounded just a little off. And the reason that it sounded a little off, turns out I learned this when I took my music theory class. I believe it was my junior year of high school. I finally put it together. It's because my intro was in the key of C. My first verse was, I believe, in the key of C still. And then the chorus went into the key of G. And look, if you do that intentionally, yes, that can work, right? Key changes are, of course, a very common thing but when done intentionally, right? So making sure to learn keys, right? I've talked about my four main pillars of music theory that everybody needs to know. I'll put a link to the my guide that talks about those four pillars of music theory that every songwriter needs to know as well in the description. But look, keys are one of those important things that you really need to know, right? Don't just be like, well, these chords sound good together. Like, okay, That's fine for a time, but at some point, just bite the bullet and take the like 30 minutes it takes tops to learn keys. Keys are really not that hard. The concept of of staying in the same key or just understanding like when you say I'm writing a song and you're like, okay, I'll write it in the key of C, knowing what notes you have available, what chords you have available, the jobs of the chords within that key. This is all super important, super helpful stuff. And you want to be able to not get lucky every time that like, oh, well, it just happened to sound good. So I went with it. Like you're banking on luck at that point. Don't bank on luck. Learn the basic, basic, basic music theory of what a freaking key is. That way you can decide, you know, maybe your song's in the key of C or in the key of G, right? And not be like my first song where it couldn't decide whether it was the key of C or G and it gave this off-putting, weird, 
non-committal sound and it just didn't feel right. And I didn't know why until I took music theory. Number three. And if you're wondering what, if I sound sick, yes. Getting over a certain virus you may have heard of. I don't remember if I mentioned that at the beginning. I have a cough drop, so you'll have to excuse me. But hey, that's where we are right now. Still making content, still happy to be talking to you. If you're enjoying this so far, drop a like if you're on YouTube. Number three, focus on chord progressions too much. This is the thing I poked fun of in the intro. So many songwriters. I would go so far as to say almost every single new songwriter I've ever met, I've ever heard from, ever. Their story and their average songwriting story is, well, I'm a guitarist, and I grab the guitar, and I like G chords and C chords, and I know that the the amount of times I've heard G chord, C chord, and D chord sound good together, right? Instantly, I know, okay, so you know nothing about keys. Like, that's true. And the key of G, those would sound good together because the key of G, that would be the one chord G, the four chord C, and the five chord D. So what they're saying is not wrong. It's just misguided. Um, but it's, it's, it's very common for people to be like, oh, I got to find this good chord progression first. Nobody gives a rip about your chord progression. Okay, like if you think of the songs that you know and love, you probably don't even know the chord progression. You probably couldn't even hum the chord progression. You might be able to hum the bass line. I'm sure you can hum the melody. You probably can recite the lyrics. The chord progression, you probably have no idea. The only time I even I ever notice, even as a songwriter who pays attention to these things, generally speaking, unless I'm going out of my way to try to notice the chord progression, the only time I notice the chord progression is when it's a one five six four, because I'm rolling my eyes because I'm like, oh, for the billionth time, right? And there's that axis of awesome song that makes fun of that chord progression, right? So I hear that one just because it's so significant to me at this point is like, ugh, of course, again. But that's the only time I notice chord progressions, right? You notice melodies. You notice some of the instrumentation. You notice a cool bass line. You notice a piano riff that's interesting or, you know, a guitar hook. Those are all the things you notice in a song. Those things are much more important than the chord progression. You can make a really, really interesting song at a very boring chord progression, right? I've, I've built a whole song that builds and breaks and I thought was really interesting out of two chords, it's just the same four bars repeated over and over and over again as far as the basic chords, but because of how I build the arrangement up and I break it down and I change the lyrics and, you know, the melody changes the chords, through all that, the song stays interesting because nobody gives a rip about the chord progression. So taking the time to make sure you get the chord progression right first or to make that the basis of your song, the first thing you write, is silly because I've talked before, I think I mentioned it last week too, songwriting is a funnel, right? The more choices you make in your songwriting journey, whether that be chord progression, beats per minute, right, the tempo, the, you know, syllables per line, the melody, all of these choices limit your creative options as you go. So once you commit to a chord progression, which we've kind of established is one of the le least important parts of a song as far as like, you know, the things that stick out that people remember, like versus melody or lyrics, for example, so 
if it's not that important, maybe we should decide it later after we've already gotten the lyrics down or after we've already gotten the melody down or the guitar hook down, right? Write those more interesting, more important parts first. You can figure out what the chords, what chords would work to supplement that later. So it's I compare it to camera work in a movie, right? You know who notices camera work in a movie? Either A, people who are videographers, right? Because they're into that thing. But the rest of us don't notice camera angles and stuff unless they're exceptionally good or interesting. But generally speaking, you're not... You know how many times I've seen the Star Wars movies? I couldn't tell you a thing about how George Lucas uses camera angles. No idea. I don't care. You know what I care about? The story. I care about the different plot points. That's what I care about, the characters. But I don't even notice the camera angles. And that's how most people are going to be with your chord progressions. They're not going to notice that stuff. They do notice your melodies, your lyrics, stuff like that. So look, solution Force yourself to write the melody or a riff before you write the chord progression. When I say riff, that could be a guitar riff, a piano riff, you know, a guitar hook, whatever term you want to use. Number four, simplistic melody. I think this is a direct product of what I just talked about. Oftentimes, you'll find a chord progression you like, and then you sing something that's comfortable, improvise singing, right, with your chord progression, and it's comfortable you improvise it and you're like, oh, that's a melody that works. But that's such a low bar, right? And the problem with improvising a melody vocally is you're probably going to default to something that's extra comfortable, aka something that's extra conversational. And there's something to be said for conversational um, melodies, right? They can be very good. They can be they can be very interesting if done well. They can fit the song perfectly, for a time anyway. But we don't want all of our all of our melodies to just be conversational, right? Sometimes they need to add intrigue by having jumps and leaps in different pitch ranges, right? If we sing all our melodies just right in our comfort range and always go up by one note and down by one note, and we never like leap up a fifth or whatever, which isn't conversational, right? Usually, if you're improvising a melody with your voice, while you're strumming your guitar, you're probably not going to improvise a melody where you jump up a sixth, right? Or, or say, pulling over the rainbow, right? There's the over. That's an octave leap, right? When you're just singing along, improvising, unless you're a really good vocalist, probably you're going to lean more towards the lazier, more conversational melodies, which again, can be fine. But look, get out of your comfort, sh- comfort zone. I was going to say comfort shell. That's not what I want to say. Um, I guess it sort of works, but don't settle uncomfortable. This is why I'm a big fan of writing melodies with the instrument you're best at. In my case, piano. Also with piano, it's very easy to visualize. You know, like I can visualize C to G. Well, that's that's a big leap. That should be interesting. I, I, I can visualize things like that. Whereas vocally, unless you have perfect pitch, you can't really visualize your voice, right? You're just sort of improvising noises that sound good. Whereas with a piano, you can actually look at the notes. You can physically see the notes. So I think that's very helpful. Number five, subtle difference between the verse and the chorus. The amount of times where it's like, was that the chorus? If somebody has to ask, was that the chorus? It's probably not a good chorus. 
and I think there's a few reasons for this. One is exactly the same thing that I was just talking about. If you're staying in your comfort range while you're improvising your vocal melody in your verse, guess what? You might do that in the chorus too. And soon your chorus and verse might have the same chord progression because you just found one chord progression you liked. And on top of that, they might be in a similar vocal range and the melody doesn't change that much, right? When really you probably should probably have a different chord progression, A, doesn't have to, but probably, and B, you definitely, this is much more important, you probably want to be in a different pitch range or at least the melody needs to be significantly different. So here's your solution. Force yourself wherever your verse ends note-wise, right? Let's say you're at like a G4. Force yourself in the chorus to go up a fifth or something like that. Just pick a number that's like clearly like this is higher than I've sung in the verses. Force yourself to do that. That right there will automatically make your chorus more interesting. It will help make it pop. It will help to avoid the horrible like we're two and a half minutes in and oh, I guess that's the chorus because I've heard this part before, but I never would have realized that was the chorus based on how exciting it was. That's something that we definitely want to avoid. Number six, cough drop delayed. <laughs> delayed me talking there. Um, I'm not used to talking about the cough drop. It's probably the first time I've had a cough drop in like years maybe. But anyway, number six, utilizing the exact same verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus formula. Look, this may be one of the less important ones that we're pointing out here. You could easily be a great songwriter who literally never does anything outside of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Really, you could. But it can get stale after a while, both as a writer and from the standpoint of it's limiting, right? It limits your story to follow certain beats, right? Because you're starting with story always, probably the verse, right? And then the chorus is your theme, and then you continue the, the story with the second verse, and the chorus brings your theme back. And then you're probably doing that third major plot point in the bridge, and then the chorus comes back to wrap up the theme, right? Maybe you want to tell a two-part story instead with just two verses. You don't want the bridge to continue um, that story, right? Technically, you could fit that into that formula too, right, where the bridge is maybe a little more thematic like the chorus. But you may need three verses, right? Maybe your song doesn't really fit a bridge. Maybe you want a finale at the end, what I call a finale. Somebody pointed out in the comments a few weeks back, you could call it a coda. I don't love that just because, first of all, you're right. You're right. The reason I don't call it that, though, is when I think of a coda, I think of like the coda in like a sheet of music where often... You know, that's just that little section that the last time you play through, it's like, oh, skip to this little section so that we can end on a one chord or whatever. And yes, I know technically it can be a whole movement, right? I think Bach or one of them has like a 20-minute coda. I get that, but um, I don't really think of it that way, which is why I call it a finale. Moral of the story, though, long story short, a finale is like a section of the song that hasn't been played before. It's not the same as your bridge or your chorus or anything like that. And you play it once at the very end of the song and then it's done. 
I like to use it as a way to be like, you thought the chorus was the highlight of the song, but, or the main theme of the song, but then I gave you an even cooler part at the end, blew your mind with it, and then the song's over. I don't even give it to you a second time, so it makes you want to listen to it again. I'm a big fan of that personally, but hey, look, experiment with different song structures, right? Maybe just have verses, don't have choruses at all. Maybe put the chorus at the beginning of the song. Experiment with different formulas, and hey, it allows you to tell different types of stories, and it really just can be another interesting tool in your songwriting toolbox to help you write more interesting different songs than you otherwise would. So pick a new solution, in case it's not clear what I'm trying to say. Pick a new formula, right? Force yourself, I don't care what it is, but force yourself not to do verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Just force yourself not to. I'm not saying never or, or not to do it again. I'm saying just for one song. Force yourself out of that. See what happens. Lastly, number seven, final one, uninspired lyrics. I talked about this a few weeks back when I talked about why it is I think often great musicians are terrible songwriters. And there was a lot more to that podcast. Go back, check that out back in that video as well. But one of the things is that usually the story of a songwriter is they were a musician that are like, well, I kind of want to write my own music now. And even in that sentence, you can hear it, right? I want to write my own music, right? Music doesn't necessarily have words. Songs usually do. You know, depends on your definition of song, blah, blah, blah. We won't get into that. But the point is that it's not usually poets that decide, oh, I want to put my poems to music, so I'm going to learn music, and I'm going to learn how to play an instrument. I'm going to learn how to sing. That's not usually the direction that people go. They're a musician first and foremost, and then they decide to add songwriting. But somebody who's a good musician is not necessarily a good lyricist. In fact, if you look at the lyrics out there today, on average, I would say it's pretty obvious that they often are not one and the same, as your average lyric is frankly not good. Unless we're talking about pop songwriting, then it is straight up embarrassingly bad. There we go. For those of you who have listened and watched for a while, there's the obligatory Joseph must make fun of pop at least once per episode. Uh, I haven't mentioned Taylor Swift, though. So, well, here it is. She's so overrated. She's not that good. Just saying. Anyway, so, um, uninspired lyrics often come from, look, you're writing music, you have this melody you find interesting, right? Going back to that quintessential picture of songwriting, right? You grabbed your guitar, found a chord progression you like, you have a melody that you improvised with your, you know, just singing, humming along with the chord progression. And now you're like, oh, I'm so close to a finished song. Let me just throw the lyrics together, right? Because you feel like you're so close. And because you prioritize music so much more and you're not, you don't really fancy yourself a poet, if you will, it's easy to kind of get lazy about that and not force yourself to spend as much time on the lyrics as you really should. Look, if it takes you half an hour to write the music, but it's going to take you months to finish the lyrics, good. That's fine. Lyrics are a very important part of the song, okay? Like, 
whatever, however long it takes you to get it right, be willing to take the time. Right? Lyrics are a good portion of whether a song is good or not. It is. Whether or not you care for lyrics is irrelevant to this. You can think that they're not important, but like they are because it's what the song is about. Right? That's like saying, oh, the script of a movie is not important. The dialogue isn't important. It's just the plot that's important. Who cares about the dialogue? Like, that's ridiculous, right? Of course the dialogue matters. Everybody would have loved the prequels from day one if it wasn't for the dialogue mattering, okay? So, look, here's a solution. Be willing to spend more time on lyrics. You have to start to fancy yourself a poet. You just do, because you are now. If you're a songwriter, you're a lyricist, and therefore you are a poet, so take pride in your lyrics, okay? And here's the good news. I think that if you just put decent effort into your lyrics, if you even slightly pride yourself on lyrics, you will you can easily be above average relative to other songwriters at lyrics because the bar is so, so, so low, in my opinion. It's so low. I mean, just look at what's on. I mean, so low, right? You, it's not necessarily going to be easier, easy to write above average melodies. There's lots of good melody writers out there, right? There's lots of great melodies out there. You know, chord progressions, there's only so much creativity and, uh, you know, nobody cares about your chord progressions. So you're certainly not going to be known for like, oh, they have interesting chord progressions though. Yes, of course there's exceptions, but generally speaking, probably not going to happen either. So the easiest way for you to differentiate yourself from the competition it's probably not going to be your melodies, okay? Even if you're a good melody writer, there's lots of good melodies out there. There are not a lot of good lyrics out there. There's a ton of absolute garbage out there. I mean, literally, you can't make this up. Uh, I believe it's Pitchfork, which apparently is a piece of garbage. I didn't know that, but now I know that. Uh, Pitchfork apparently called WAP its number one song of the year, like best song of the year. Like not best on the charts. Like they actually said this is the best song of the year. That song is trash in every possible way. I mean, it's embarrassing. The fact that it's not meant as a comedy song is embarrassing. If it was a comedy song, I'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. It's a little dirty for my taste, but I, I guess I see the humor in it. But like, no, no, it's just like they're not singing it ironically. Like that's, they're serious. These people think that, think that that song's meant to be serious. So I guess it is apparently meant to be. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. So, you know, like, this is not a hard line to beat people. It's just not. So there are your seven mistakes new songwriters make. Hopefully you found this helpful. If you did, be sure to drop a like. If you are on YouTube, also be sure to subscribe. I have these coming out every single week. We talk about songwriting every week. And... Hey, if you've been listening via podcast for a while and you still haven't left me an iTunes review, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Those help me out. Those help uh, other people find the podcast, which is, of course, very important. And of course, if you're on YouTube, hey, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this, throw them this link. That way I can talk to them Two, and we can have a good conversation. Be sure to let me know in the comments which of these seven mistakes resonate with you the most, whether it's 
a mistake that you see other beginner songwriters uh, messing up on or making. Or, or if the scenario is, ooh, Joseph, I thought you were talking straight to me with that mistake, because that is a mistake that I know I make all the time. Let me know which one it is. I'm very curious. There's no shame in it. We all made these mistakes at some point. We all still make these mistakes, right? From one time to, um, one time to another. I don't, apparently I forget how to do English now, but you know what I'm saying? We all make these mistakes. There's no shame in this. Hopefully, we are all trying to build each other up to become better songwriters. I'm not pretending like I am the perfect songwriter by teaching. I am simply teaching what I know and what I've learned. And hey, hopefully it helps you. If it does help you, again, if you haven't, drop a like. Otherwise, I will talk to you next time. Thanks for spending time with me. Have a good week, everybody.